Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And good afternoon, everybody. Actually, it may not be afternoon if you're listening on the West Coast, so scratch that. This is Joe Concha getting off to a tremendous start here, filling in for the great Jimmy Fallon if you watched the Fox Nation Awards last night. That's where Jimmy was. He was in Nashville. Uh, we're probably on hour six of a rockin' hangover. And then he heads, I believe, to Naples, not Italy, but Florida, for a show tonight. So uh, kind enough to let me sit in the chair today. Jimmy may be joining us later, maybe not. I guess we'll have to get confirmation on that. Depends on if he is wheels down at that point in Florida. Anyway, you guys know me. I think, I hope I'm on the show uh, here and there fairly often. Do football picks with Jimmy from time to time. Also a Fox News contributor and a columnist for The Messenger and a best-selling author. That's right. I mean, I swear to God, if you told me, even like four years ago, that, Joe, you're going to write a book. It's going to be 65,000 words long, despite having two kids with impossibly active schedules. I don't even know how the Duffies do it. they got nine. How do you have nine kids? I, I couldn't even picture three. Anyway, story for another time. So they had these incredibly impossible schedules as far as soccer and track and archery. Archery? I mean, wh- where did that come from? Rock climbing. I mean, come on. It goes on and on. Uh, so between that, the wife works basically full-time as a doctor. I have like eight jobs, uh, as I, I just mentioned, at least three of them. And I don't know where the time goes. But, but the point is, and I think I had a point somewhere, is that I wrote a book. Unbelievable. Now I'm writing a second because I got the bug. It's called Not Your Daddy's Donkeys. And it's how the media drove the Democratic Party way off the cliff in terms of going right. I'm uh, going left, I should say. Left to the point where more millennial voters right now would vote for a socialist than anybody who deems themselves a capitalist. I saw that in a YouGov poll, and I'm going to talk to Greg Jarrett about that in a bit. He will be joining us in the second half of this hour to talk about his new book, which is awesome, and it's all about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the Federalist Papers and all these great documents that he's collected, and he basically puts it all together to show why America, yes, is still great uh, based on what the Founding Fathers uh, had planned for us and still rings true today. But more and more now we are seeing... Unfortunately, folks going just I, – I, I can't even get my head around this. I can't get my head around the fact that there's a letter on TikTok that was written by Osama bin Laden. Yes, that Osama bin Laden, the guy who carried out the 9-11 attacks nearly 22 years ago and killed nearly 3,000 Americans in New York. I was in New York City that day. I still can smell it. I still can see it as far as the Twin Towers and obviously Pennsylvania where – those brave passengers uh, stormed the cockpit and, 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 and tried to land the plane. Unfortunately, then the Al-Qaeda terrorists uh, crashed the plane in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, uh, killing obviously everybody on board, and then uh, Washington, D.C., where the Pentagon uh, was hit. Uh, that plane in Pennsylvania was uh, supposed to be headed towards the Capitol, by the way. Uh, I mean, just, just insane uh, what, what happened and something that, again, there's very few moments in this life that you will have where you'll, you'll remember – where you were, and certainly uh, 9-11, when you first saw the second plane hit the towers and then you realized, oh, crap, we're under attack, um, that, that's something that lives with you, or it lives with you when you realize that your friends were in the World Trade Center. I did a TV show in high school called Rock and Roll TV. We actually had a community access show, and we actually did a live show for one hour, and I, I did it with uh, a guy I played football with. He also was a co-host of the show. His name was Paul Aquaviva, and uh, Paul 
died that day, actually called his wife, Courtney, who I also went all the way back to grade school with, and then he married her. Uh, she was pregnant at the time. And um, he called her just to be like, all right, here are where the insurance papers are. Here's everything that you need. I mean, this is how responsible uh, and selfless this guy was. And um, it was just so sad when you go to the funeral and you see Courtney uh, up there speaking and you see the big bump, you know, in, in her belly. And now that child is... Uh, in college, uh, never got to meet her dad. The, the reason why I'm bringing this up, and I know Jimmy's show is fun, uh, and, and we're going to keep it that way for the most part, but the fact that now a letter goes up on TikTok praising, it is from Osama bin Laden talking, it's called A Letter to America. And I'm not even going to even quote even one part of it because uh, that, that type of person does, doesn't deserve any sort of uh, amplification. We'll, we'll put it that way. And after this is, gets put on there, you're seeing now TikTok influencers, you know, the people that Joe Biden depends on so we could get the youth vote. They're praising this letter. You have this pro-Palestinian activist, Lynette Atkins. She's urging more than her 175,000 TikTok followers to read the words behind the mastermind of the 9-11 attacks. Quote, I need everyone to stop what they're doing right now and go read it. It's literally two pages. Go read A Letter to America. Please come back here and just let me know what you think because I feel like I'm going through like an existential crisis right now and like a lot of people are, so I need someone else to be feeling this. This is what Atkins said in a video. So then another TikTok user called rereads whoever that is. i shouldn't even say their name they, they posted the entire letter on their page and it got six hundred and forty thousand views and this person only had 1300 followers quote we've been lied to our entire lives i remember watching people cheer when osama was found and killed i was a child and it confused me oh gee what confused you it still confuses me today. The world deserves better than what this country has done to them. Change must be made. Are you... F- Sorry, I almost slipped there. I, I know, I, I think, maybe I can swear, but no, I'm not going to do it. I don't think this is a satellite radio. So, uh, but what the hell, man? I mean, you were confused about people cheering Osama bin Laden being killed? The guy killed 3,000 Americans and wanted to kill more. And would have if given the opportunity. There's nothing ambiguous about this. Just like there's nothing ambiguous about Hamas going into Israel on October 7th and murdering people in the worst possible ways you could imagine. Raping, beheading, babies, kidnapped, elderly. A woman, a a body was just found of a woman who had cancer and was in her 60s, was was being treated for cancer. They kidnapped her and they, they just found her body uh, outside that Gaza hospital where there's a man in control center uh, beneath that hospital. Uh, this way they could be protected from any bombings. But now the Israeli army, thank God, is, is going in there. The IDL uh, defense forces uh, are going in there and they're, they're going to root these guys out. And more and more now you see Hamas saying, oh, no, maybe we'll give up 50 hostages, 75 hostages. Squeeze them more. They will panic. And eventually, hopefully, we'll get most of those hostages back, the ones who haven't been killed anyway. But But the point is, though, we see now millennials and we see the type of people that use TikTok to get their news. And more and more, Pew Research has a study out about this this week. More and more people now are getting their news from Facebook and TikTok than traditional media outlets. And I know what you're going to say, because if you watch Fox, you know I'm, I'm one of the media guys on there that analyzes this stuff. 
I understand that traditional media also cannot be trusted, but at least there's some guardrails around the information that you see. And I'm not talking about MSNBC or The View, all right? That's fringe. That's a way out there. I'm, I'm talking about standard news organizations, CBS, ABC, Fox, so on. At least there are those guardrails. They don't exist with TikTok. They don't exist with Facebook. It is the wild, wild west. And then with AI being able to manipulate images, audio, you name it, we have an information crisis on our hands to the point where you now have many young people saying that they understood why Osama bin Laden attacked us the way al-Qaeda did. 22 years ago, and they could sympathize with Hamas because Israel had it coming. It would be like literally praising Hitler after the Holocaust, after World War II, saying, you know, guy was a painter. You know, he did have some good points in Mein Kampf, or however you pronounce it. I don't speak German. Actually, I took a semester of German my first year at Maryland, and the first thing our teacher taught us was, ich glaube, das gute Bier hilft mir mehr als alle Sätze auf der Welt. And I know I sound like a Mel Brooks character there, but that's kind of the way the guy spoke, and it always stuck with me. And uh, ich glaube, das gute Bier hilft mir mehr als alle Sätze auf der Welt means, I think a good beer is better than all the doctors in the world. I'm like, you know what, I like this professor, because that's catchy, right? I want to learn this language. And boy, was it hard. I've forgotten basically everything except that. B. Gates, oh yeah, that's, uh, how are you? Anyway, I'm going off way on a tangent here on a serious topic. So that, that's where we are at this point, ladies and gentlemen, where we have... Young people who are more willing to embrace socialism than capitalism and young people who are embracing the words of Osama bin Laden and embracing the actions of Hamas. It is unbelievable. Anyway, let's let's play uh, some clips here and, and you'll just you won't believe what what you're uh, going to hear. Let's go to clip two here, guys, or cut two. Joe meant to say TikTok user two. go. So I just read a letter to America. And. I will never look at life the same. I will never look at this country the same. I will never, I, please read it. And if you have read it, let me know if you are also going through an existential crisis in this very moment, because in the last 20 minutes, my entire viewpoint on the entire life I have believed and I have lived has changed. Please read that entire letter. Now, this has ramifications, okay? Because Al-Qaeda now is touting all of this, saying, oh, see, we were right. Even Americans that we attacked believe this stuff. So let's go to cut four. This is John Miller on CNN. He's an analyst uh, when it comes to terrorism, and here's what he had to say. Cut four, go. What's the effect this is having? The intelligence community assessment today is we're seeing this now being repeated on Al-Qaeda channels saying... Uh, Sheikh Osama's letter is now being viewed by millions of Americans oh, they're touting this. who are finally understanding what this is about and what our brothers in Hamas are going through. It's also, and this is the one that kind of knocked me back, it's also being, the letter is being posted now in right-wing violent extremist accelerationist channels where anti-Semitism is their normal flavor, saying, you know, this guy actually gets it. Good Lord. All right, I'll play for you one more. Uh, and, I mean, Newt Gingrich, who's always spot on in these situations. Remember Newt Gingrich, the, the, the Speaker of the House, that actually worked with Bill Clinton to get a balanced budget amendment. Imagine that balanced budget. We're not going to spend more than we had. In fact, we had a surplus, which is really something that is completely a foreign concept. Also, uh, 
completed welfare reform and shrinking government with Bill Clinton. So, yes, this country did operate somewhat functionally way back when, at least in the mid-90s. Uh, here's Gingrich telling Sean Hannity last night uh, about young people and, and, and the need to tell them that they're wrong and they're stupid. Newt, cut six, go. We need to learn to say to young people, this is wrong. You are stupid. We need to stand up for civilization and not be timid and not be confused. Uh, When babies are beheaded, it is evil. It's not confusing. It's not complicated. Uh, Osama bin Laden was a terrorist whose goal was to destroy the United States. This is why I think we should go back to having uh, the Pledge of Allegiance in every classroom every morning. We need to reinstill in people a sense of patriotism. This country is unique. It is valuable. It has human rights at a level no country's ever had before. And we have to be prepared to defend it. And today, our elites are so confused that they're dominated by people who are basically mentally ill. It's very simple. Josh Hawley told us to Hannity last night. Also, I'll be on Hannity uh, tonight, by the way. We should ban TikTok. Just ban it. It's that simple. Problem is, Joe Biden embraces TikTok. TikTok and and uses influencers to get to young voters. So he's not going to do it as long as he benefits from it. Anyway, Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon. This is the Jimmy Fallon Show. Fox Across America back with Carol Roth in just a moment. The critics have spoken. You do that again and I'll break every bone in your body. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. All right, this one's for the fellas who want to tap the brakes on the aging process. How do you do that, Jimbo? We're talking about Nugenics Total T. Okay, every day that passes by is a day that you lose testosterone, which means less muscle, less energy, less get up and go in the bedroom. That doesn't sound any fun. But are you really ready to lose your shape, your muscle, maybe even in your energy? You don't have to. Okay, you can slow it down with Nugenics Total T. Nugenics Total T, it'll boost free and total testosterone, and it'll help you get the old fire back at work, in the gym, in the bedroom. How about it? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster has Testafin, which will boost your testosterone. You know, the man hormone. How about more of that? You can try Nugenics Total T before you buy. There's nothing to lose, everything to gain. Now, get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T when you text 231-231 and enter the keyword jimmy text now you'll get a bottle of nugenics thermo x the newest and most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you lose fat fast and get lean fast it is absolutely free your complimentary sample available to you if you text 231-231 and enter keyword jimmy it's 231-231 and you enter the keyword jimmy texting enrolls you in a recurring automated text messages consent not required to purchase message and data rates may apply And welcome back, everybody. I believe that is Rosanna, Rosanna, and that is Toto. Carol Roth, is that one of the great songs of all time? I mean, it's certainly a classic 80s song, and you know that that was written about Rosanna Arquette, who I guess was the muse and girlfriend of uh, one of the band members at the time. Really? And she starred in Desperately Seeking Susan, which had one Madonna in a starring yes. role, I believe, correct? Right, wow. who, sang, who sang Crazy For You, which was the song for Vision Quest. We could just do like a whole 80s retrospective here. Oh, and Vision Quest, of course, with uh, Matthew Modine, who I thought would be bigger. I thought he would have gone to another level. And he did Pacific yeah. Heights after that with Michael Keaton and Melanie Griffith. But then he kind of faded. He, he was in one of, the, one of the Batman movies with Christian Bale like much later. But uh, Vision Quest, about a, a wrestler who wants to wrestle up, right? 
No, down. Yeah. He has to he has to lose a whole bunch Wrestle of weight. Down. Yeah, yeah. He has to he has to cut weight. So he can he face shoot. It was just like he was like the Ivan Drago of high school wrestling, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and Modine then falls in love with um, oh Italian gal. Uh, forget her name. Shoot. Anyway, it's going to come to me. Too. Linda Florentino <laughs> and uh, Florentino, and uh, she's like ten Fior- years Fiorentino. older than he is. Fiorentino, yes. Fiorentino, that's right. And she's like in her late twenties, and he's a high school kid, but she lives in his house as like you know because they need the rent. I don't know. There's, we could we could go on about this movie all day, but uh, that's one of the great soundtracks of all time. Journey has a, a tremendous song on there as well. Anyway, Carol, I think we want to talk about other things in our limited time here. Uh, where do I begin? Oh, Gavin Newsom has a tweet out right now saying that gays are banned in uh, Tennessee. And thankfully, I, I wrote, and I, several other people wrote, uh, community notes, you might want to check in on this one, and now he has been community noted. Uh, what, what Newsom was doing and completely twisting the truth uh, was basically they were talking about pedophiles uh, being banned in Tennessee, or not banned, but you're, you're going to be severely, you know, prosecuted if, if you're caught uh, with, with somebody underage or doing lewd acts and all that fun stuff. So why does Newsom think that people are this stupid? I, I guess it's a rhetorical question, but I, I just wonder... He knows he's going to get caught, and yet he still does it anyway. I mean, is he that thirsty for the presidency that he constantly is just trying to draw attention to himself? Yeah, I mean, this was a, a banning of things like lewd acts in public. Yeah. And as somebody who's supposed to be an LGBTQ ally, why would you make that association? Why would you think that somebody who is LGBTQ would be doing that in public? I mean, that's a huge insult, not only you know, an incorrect interpretation of the law, but it's a huge insult to people who identify that way. I mean, that, that's just basically saying, oh, you're, you know, you're a horrible person and you do these you know, acts in public, of course they don't. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, just, that's just so completely ridiculous and rude. And of course, they're never going to call him out on that. Do you think he'll ever be president just based on the fact that he is a good looking guy, I guess. And, you know, there is a cheesiness to him, of course, and you feel the need to shower every time after he speaks. But are our voters, are there enough voters dumb enough out there to say, you know what, he's like Biden, but he's younger and he looks good. And He's for abortion rights, yay, and for LBGTQ plus and whatever acronyms they've, they've added to it at this point. What, what, uh, are, can he be elected? I guess if Biden can, then he can, right? I mean, I don't know that enough people have seen American Psycho because that's what really I think of Christian every Bale. time I see him, Christian Bale with the slick backed hair and you know this this the serial killer who looks really good. Um, you know, it Gavin Newsom is one of those you know typical American failing up stories. You do a terrible job and then you get pushed up to the next level and so on and so forth. As so many people have in our political system, um, particularly given his familial collect, uh, connections to Nancy Pelosi, and you. Know, this is a guy who almost got recalled here in California um, because of the terrible job that he did, but he doesn't care. He's like, you know, the honey badger. He just moves <laughs> forward and says that I'm, you know, I'm going to just ignore the fact that I'm doing a bad job. Um, and, you know, he keeps doing things that you would think would make him unqualified to be president, such as cleaning up San Francisco, you know, not for years and years and years, only when a dictator arrives, because, you know, you clean your house when you have guests. I guess you live in squalor the extra uh, 364 days of the year. But the American voter is so delusional and so disconnected, and they say that, you know, they have these issues that are important to them, like the economy, and then they go to the voting booth, and they do the same thing over and over again. It's the Albert Einstein definition of insanity, and nothing's going to change. She is Carol Roth. 
We are in an 80s kick today, aren't we? I don't know the words. I only know the chorus, so to speak. Anyway, Joe Concha filling in for Jimmy Fell. It is Fox Across America. I'm going to quote my dear friend. She's my dear friend, too. Apparently, we have a lot of dear friends. Julie Banderas, who is quietly the most hilarious person on Fox, with all due respect to Jimmy and to the gut belt and so on. But, uh, I mean, just in person, she is a uh, pisser. Can we say that? Sure, why not? All right, quote, My dear friend and original partner in crime, Greg Jarrett, has just come out with the perfect book at the right time. As people try to tear down America, his selected patriotic documents remind us of what made this nation a beacon of liberty, prosperity, and justice. Buy it now. I hold in my hand the Constitution of the United States and other patriotic documents collected and explained by the aforementioned Greg Jarrett, who happens to be a number one New York Times bestselling author. And he joins us in studio. Greg, how are you, my man? Hey, Joe. Great to be with you. I I was just with Julie, uh, and we uh, brought the house down on the 20th floor laughing uh, (laughs) because we've been through so much together. She is a dear friend of mine, and you're right. She is like the funniest person uh, I've ever met. Certainly the most candid. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she and I co-anchored for years and years and years on on Fox News, and, and it was a rollicking good time. Wow. My one uh, Julie story, which is kind of funny, when she was at Fox 5, which is a local affiliate here in, in Fox uh, in, in New York, uh, Julie one time forgot her contacts or didn't put them in and had to rush <laughs> out the door. So she wore dark room glasses instead. And her producer pulls her aside afterwards and says, you know, you got to remember, like, people don't like looking at women that wear glasses on the air. You know, it's a distraction, all this <laughs> stuff. And then this is before the the Internet and email, basically. And then all this fan mail came in saying, we love Julie and her glasses. And then the producer's like, get those glasses back <laughs> And now it's been a thing ever since. Well, so she's she was... a trendsetter. And, yeah, she, she's blind as a bat without contact lenses. Uh, and so am I, quite frankly, although... In 1999, I had LASIK surgery, so now I have 2020 vision. Amazing. Oh, wow. I'd be too scared to get that. I'm like, what if they miss? Like, what, what if something goes wrong? I was I have, worried. I have 2010 eyesight, so I, I really don't care. It's, it's strange. That's the thing I was blessed with, not height, but eyesight, <laughs> so go figure. I want to read you some stats here, okay? And this is from a CNN poll uh, that was taken recently, Greg, because this pertains to your book, The Constitution of the United States and Other Patriotic Documents. On sale now. Get it where you get books. The Constitution of the United States, okay? Uh, let's see. Let's go through um, more than one in three people, 37%, could not name a single right protected by the First Amendment. <laughs> is that incredible? Only one in four, 26%, can name all three branches in government. One no. quarter of the country, I right? Know. I'll give you one more. Only <laughs> one in three, 33%, can't name any branch of government. None. Oh, not one. One in three. So this book... Is, is should be in classrooms because clearly we're not learning what we need to learn. Yeah, buy two books, one for yourself and one for your child's teacher. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, the education system in America, particularly public schools, have totally failed young people. Uh, you know, we did a man on the street uh, the other day on Fox News aired it. And, you know, was asking fundamental questions like, um, why was there a Revolutionary War? Who won the Civil War? Um, what was the Cold War? Uh, a young lady responded by saying, um, I-, I think it was Chile 
back then. You know, low temperatures. Russia's cold. Yeah. I think that's what the answer I mean, was. They all flunked it, which yeah. is so embarrassing. So honestly, it's one of the reasons why I decided to write this book. It is a tribute to the many patriots who made America great. And you can read 65 of our nation's most important documents, speeches, letters, many of which, Joe, changed the course of history. These are inspiring words, galvanizing ideas. It shaped America, our virtues, our aspirations, and our ideals. Indeed. And, and we're talking to Greg Jarrett, obviously, the New York Times bestselling author, The Constitution of the United States and Other Patriotic Documents, is the book. The Revolutionary War, you, you mentioned earlier, um, and many people not knowing why it was fought. Some schools are now teaching that the Revolutionary War was fought over slavery. Yeah. It's just <laughs> That's the 1619 Project, right? Yeah, of course. And, and, you know, they take it a step further. In my last book, Trial of the Century in the Epilogue, I went through the demise of American education, and a lot of it can be traced to what you just identified, 1619 Project, critical race theory. Now, there are some CRTs that are constructive if they mean to teach a more accurate account of American history. But I cited specific examples in schools, in districts, in my book, in which they are teaching this extreme form of CRT, in which children are told to view every person, every event through the lens of racism. Children are actually taught that if your skin color is dark, you are a victim, you are oppressed. And if you are white, you are a victimizer and you are an oppressor. So, you know, children come home and they start regurgitating this stuff and their parents are mortified and appalled. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why there has been this flood of parents across America who've decided to pull their kids out of school uh, and and homeschool. And, you know, I blame the powerful teachers union, uh, its leader, Randy Weingarten. They don't care about children and their education. They care about the money they can get from governments and other entities for their pensions, for their salaries and And, you know, it's just the deconstruction of education in America. And as a result, you get the kinds of idiots and morons that have been protesting in the uh, in New York City, elsewhere, college campuses. They are glorifying Hamas terrorists. And yesterday on TikTok, praising Osama bin Laden. It's truly insane. It would be like praising Hitler, is what I said earlier. Yeah. Like saying, you know, he was a painter. You know, he had some good ideas as far as, I mean, I would never, ever think to do that as a young adult growing up. And now we're seeing it before our eyes. And, again, it, you see these polls where more young people would vote for socialists than they would uh, a declared capitalist. I mean, they, well, they would. They, but they couldn't define socialism, by the way. They have no idea. <laughs> right. It's true. Well, they know that uh, a government probably had the very broad structure, which is basically government takes care of you and you don't have to work hard right. in order to get free stuff. And that's Sit something that Democrats Sit down on the couch and watch uh, reruns of Laverne and Shirley, you know. 
Right, which I'm all for. Don't get me wrong. Lenny and Squiggy, that was the best duo on television. <laughs> no one ever gives them credit. We're talking to Greg Jarrett, the Constitution of the United States, and other patriotic documents. Included in this, obviously, you have the Bill of Rights, Articles of Confederation, but you also have, and I found this interesting because I, I recently watched Oppenheimer, uh, Albert Einstein's secret letter to FDR warning him that the Nazis were building an atomic weapon and the movie uh, itself, which is a yeah. great film if you, you haven't it seen is. it, uh, does does mention that. So, so tell us more about that letter. Well, you know, um, what Einstein was doing, he was a renowned theoretical physicist. He was tracking the purchase and usage of uranium. And he theorized correctly uh, that Germany, the Nazis, were attempting to develop this frighteningly powerful new weapon called an atomic bomb. And so he writes this secret letter to FB, FDR, and FDR believed him, fortunately. And that letter triggered the covert operation by the U.S. and the British to build its own weapon, of course, in the highly classified Manhattan Project. And, of course, the Oppenheimer uh, movie is a wonderful recounting of those events. It is. The only thing that kind of uh, didn't throw me off exactly, but, you know, after the bomb is dropped, or, or two bombs, I should say, on, on Japan, on uh, uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, mm-hmm. then the movie still goes on for another hour after that. I thought yeah. that that basically would be the climax. <laughs> I did, too. But I liked that aspect of it. Um, and also in my book, I've got uh, Harry Truman's famous statement where he reveals to America and the world, who didn't already know it, that... You know, he had ordered two atomic bombs dropped on Japan. He revealed that to the nation by saying the force from which the sun draws its power has been loosed against those who brought war to the Far East. It's an incredible statement. It's it's printed in full in my book. I explain it. But, that you know, there were other warnings. You know, John Adams warned of unscrupulous men in power in our government, if left unchecked, would destroy it, mm. becoming ravenous beasts of prey. George Washington sounded the alarm against political parties in America that he said would undermine freedom. Sadly, no one paid attention. They're not paying attention now, Greg Jarrett. That's certainly for sure. What, oh, yeah. What do you think the founding fathers would say? And then maybe if they, they got a taste of Donald Trump, like on a personal level, they would be like, hey, he's, he's a little bit rough around the edges, you know. But uh, uh, at the same time, what would they think of all of these trials of Donald Trump going on right now, which clearly is election interference, clearly is the weaponization of the justice system. And then they see Joe Biden getting off scot-free for doing yeah. the same crime around classified documents and Hillary Clinton getting off as well. So what, what do you think they would say right now if they, they saw this? They would turn over in their graves and they would say, you know, John Adams was right when he warned about, you know, unprincipled men, uh, potent engines of destruction. Uh, Because what he was really talking about was a future America where unelected bureaucrats would seize the reins of power and they would weaponize and abuse and misuse their authority for personal and partisan gain. And and haven't we seen that, Joe? The Department of Justice, uh, the FBI, uh, you know, intelligence agencies. You know, they, they went after Donald Trump with a hoax, the Russia hoax. That's right. And now uh, four indictments, which seem to be politically driven, all the while running a protection racket 
out of Merrick Garland's DOJ and the FBI to protect the Biden family. They, they would be appalled. Do you think Donald Trump is in any legal? It's, it's probably a, a pretty obvious answer, I guess, given there are 91 felony counts against him. But all it takes is one. Right. So if you had to bet, are any of these cases going to find Donald Trump guilty? And I only ask that. Uh, through the prism of where they're being held, right? Yeah. The New York case, I'm not going to count because that's civil. So he can't go to jail for that. Yeah, but there is the other New York criminal case by Alvin Bragg, which is utterly ludicrous, so much so he didn't even identify what crimes Trump has committed because he can't figure out what crimes. That's true. And that's like one third of the (laughs) felony counts that we're talking about. But uh, all that said, given where these judges are located and how Democrat these areas are, New York and Washington, uh, South Florida, obviously a different story. Uh, But is he in any jeopardy to the point where he could go to jail or or be taken off the ballot? You can't get a fair trial in New York City. You can't get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. That is a fact, demonstrable. Um, The question is... Uh, upon a conviction, um, you know, will it hold up uh, under scrutiny in the higher courts? And I don't think they will. I mean, I could go through each and every one of the four di- indictments and tell you why it's an abuse of power, why it's wrong and what Trump's defenses are. Um, so but there is no template for this, Joe. I mean, we've never had this happen in American history. Right. So yeah. we, we are watching history unfold And it's both disturbing and yet, you know, kind of like a car crash. You can't look away. (laughs) You're right about that. And we're talking to Greg Jarrett. You've written so many books. I mean, it was uh, Trial of the Century, personally my favorite. Thank Uh, you. But the Russia hoax went to number one. That We we talked about how you were number one New York Times bestseller before. Uh, Witch Hunt as well. Uh, I I could go down the line. This book here, and I understand some of them are actual documents, so you're not rewriting them, of course. They're verbatim. But, you know, when you go as far as my book, uh, my first one was 260 pages. This goes 532. (laughs) And I just, boy, what what made you want to write it? Is it what we talked about before, that not enough people are educated on this stuff and the importance of things like uh, the Bill of Rights? It is exactly that. That and the fact that there was no other book out there like it uh, that was uh, not printed overseas, not full of uh, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton speeches, not hobbled by uh, quibbling and criticism over our history. Um, the, the American publishing is frankly not very good. And as I trolled around, I couldn't find another book. So I said, I'm going to do it myself. Now, understand, I am not promoting an agenda. This book contains essential conservative as well as liberal documents. It is philosophically patriotic, but I think Julie Banderas is right. This is the perfect book at the right time. It is desperately needed because too many Americans don't fully understand and appreciate how lucky we are, how blessed we are to live in the greatest nation on earth. We must cherish our rights and freedoms, not tear them down. Perfectly said, Greg Jarrett. A wonderful book. Uh, Greg is right. Go out and buy this today. The Constitution of the United States and other patriotic documents collected and explained by the aforementioned Greg Jarrett. Greg, thanks for coming in studio, joining us. Enjoy the Thanksgiving weekend. I'm sure you'll be uh, doing the book tour thing, which can be exhausting to a certain extent, but it's fun when you believe it. But I'm enjoying it because I get to talk to my friends like you. Thanks. Ah, There you go. All right, my friend. Good to talk to you again. And this is Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon. It is Fox Across America. Back with more in just a moment. 
He's the host you shouldn't get too close to. A lot of things about me you don't know anything about, Daddy. Things you wouldn't understand. Things you couldn't understand. Things you shouldn't understand. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Uh, I could go for some cake right now. I believe that short skirt, we're talking 90s, so we've graduated a decade as far as our bump music. It's called bump music. It's what you listen to or you hear at home, in and out. The Five is the one show on Fox where if you're hosting a segment, in other words, they go around the table, so maybe uh, Judge Jeanine Pirro will lead the A block, the top block, right? And then maybe Gutfeld will take B and Dana will take C and so on. Uh, but I think they're allowed to choose their own music for their for their bumps, which I think is kind of cool. I'm doing the big weekend show a week from this week. I have to talk to my producer, see if we can arrange that, because that's a big deal. I don't know. I think it's more important than people give it credit for. So it's kind of the tone and vibe of the network. You don't see CNN or MSNBC playing, like, really cool music in and out of breaks, but we do, and that's what makes us fun. You know what? Just to fill this last 90 seconds that we have or so, I was asked one time in an interview and I forget who it was with. It was somebody prominent in radio. Who was it? Damn it. Well, I can't remember. Anyway, they asked, um, what makes Fox so dominant? And then he said, don't say that it's because you're conservative in terms of your opinions or a majority of them and other networks aren't. And therefore, you have half the pie and then they split the other half of the pie. I'm like, boy, that's an interesting question. <laughs> <laughs> and then the answer uh, was, was quite simple, and that was that, oh, you know, it was Don Imus asked me this. I, this was so long ago. I, I'm sorry. It, it didn't hit me right away. He's been gone for so long. Uh, but anyway, Imus asked me this. And I said, well, it's because people are authentic on this network, and they actually have fun. And I know there's a lot of serious topics out there, particularly over the last six weeks or so, but Overall, you feel like when you're watching The Five or you're watching Gutfeld or the conversational types of shows like Outnumbered, like you're at a happy hour. Like, and then people aren't programmed like they are in other networks so much where they act one way in the air and they act a completely different way off the air. I think people here act the same way on the air than they do off the air, and that's why Fox is so successful. Anyway, there's your plug of the day. Joe Conscience, The Jimmy Fallon Show, Fox Across America, back with more in just a moment. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. And welcome back, everybody. Joe Concha in for Mr. Fallon on this Friday afternoon, at least on the East Coast anyway, where I think we have like basically our last warm day of the year here in Jersey where I'm broadcasting from. It's going to be nearly 70 today, and it's just nice. And then, of course, when my daughter has uh, not one, not two, not three, but four games in Princeton, New Jersey this weekend, uh, then it drops down into the 40s by the time she plays. And it's like this wind tunnel they basically play on, like, next to a farm. So you get to look forward to that. If you haven't had kids yet, if you put them into soccer, be prepared to travel a lot. Princeton's actually a close game. That's only an hour. I had to go to San Diego over the summer in August and Washington, D.C. in the same month. Dropped, like, 10 grand by the time you got through the hotels and the travel and everything else like that. And it's not like, you know, she's pro and she's getting paid so she could pay daddy back. No. And what am I going to do? Say no? 
no, sorry, told you never give up and always compete, but you can't go to that tournament because uh, prices is out. And so that's that's where we're at. It certainly has changed since uh, this guy's uh, days in Little League and in PAL football. Anyway, let's get to Wally. Let's see. Yeah, let's go to Wally. He's in – where are you at? Uh, I'm going to guess. Clearwater, St. Pete. I'm going to go with that, that area. Am I right on that, Wally? Uh, the St. Pete Beach area. I love it there. I was there last year. It's the most – Beautiful sunsets you'll you'll see in the country. I think St. Pete actually has the top ranked beach in the United States, which people don't really talk about all that much. But I never, I've never felt sand so soft between my toes than than St. Petersburg. Am I wrong on that? Uh, that that one is a little bit south, but uh, every every night I get to enjoy a beautiful sunset. And um, but I was going to disagree with you um, and a lot of people about TikTok. Okay. I think it's uh, actually very – I always default to the Founding Fathers, and um, I think they made the First Amendment as the most powerful weapon against authoritarianism that we get to criticize freely our leaders. And uh, TikTok actually allows – and the First Amendment allows people to expose their ignorance, which these kids are doing. Is it a slippery slope – and I, I get your argument – that if we ban TikTok because we deem it – to be XYZ, right? And, and it is a spy app. I mean, we, we, that's been proven. It is run by the Chinese Communist government. But I, I see your point, and this is where I agree with you, I guess, to a certain extent, that if we ban TikTok, then somebody from the left, and we've seen this, people try to do this already, they may try to ban Fox News because, well, Fox News is dangerous. They're putting out misinformation about COVID, like that sort of thing, right? Joe, that's exactly where I go. It's at any point in time, somebody else is going to be in power, and it is the very slippery slope. I go. I also go to the the First Amendment that allowed the American Nazi Bund to hold a rally at Madison Square Gardens, up, you know, during World War II. That's how important free speech is. Absolutely. Let's let you know. While I'm going to make you my co-host for a little bit, I'm going to play cut seven which is Senator Josh Hawley, and he's talking about why we should ban TikTok, and I want your reaction on the other side, as they say in the business. Cut seven, go. We should be stopping it, Sean. We should ban it. And listen, I think communist China right now is just laughing. I mean, you've got Joe Biden, who is bowing and scraping and begging Xi to be nice to him while China walks all over us. And then you've got TikTok, which is basically the social media arm of the Chinese Communist Party. And they're spewing this anti-American propaganda, this virulent anti-Israel, anti-Semitic propaganda. And I think they're just sitting back and they can't believe that we're letting them get away with it. All right. Co-host Wally, your reaction. Well, and even to that, I'm, you know, democracy and the founding fathers, once again, whatever government we have is what the people choose. And I would hope that the majority of people will always choose our democratic republic and our democracy over <laughs> communism. You would, ho- you know, but if at some point in time the majority of people decide that's what they want or like want Sharia law, um, you know, I don't see that happening. I just think you have a problem with suppressing anybody's free speech, no matter how personally reprehensible you find it and the free market would then decide if tiktok didn't survive right if enough people didn't go to it didn't watch it didn't subscribe it's, to whatever's well, on there yet yeah, then it dies well the other side of that is i also like that that you have a face connected to the ignorance so yes if you own a company 
you find that person on TikTok and go, no, you're not a fit for my company. Well, that's how they do background checks these days now. It used to be you hire a company, and then they look into your background before they hire you to see if everything in your resume checks out. Now all they do is they save the money, and they go to your social media feeds to see what kind of person you are. And in college, if you're doing a keg stand, which I've done many, I'll admit that. In fact, last Thursday, I think I did one with some friends that dropped by. But the point is that uh, that's how they find out whether you're a good, upstanding person or not. They actually do the background check through what you post on TikTok, Facebook, and and Twitter, and so on. But what? let, let me let me push back on this point though what if it well we know it is if it's a spy app then and it comes from our biggest adversary then should it be banned if we look at it through that prism i you the, the problem i just see i always you know look try to look very broadly but i'm like if you we know that it is um but the minute you try to take something away from people do you cause a bigger you know do, are you actually helping china by causing more chaos within your society by having more people fighting against each other. Similar to 9-11, you had to worry, did the terrorists win by us amending our democratic freedoms to feel protected? Right, as far as surveillance, right, in the Patriot Act. So, yeah, boy, this is a conversation I could have all day. But, Wally, i got to run. But thanks. I really appreciate your input. And I'm always open to different perspectives, different ideas. And you, you gave me a different perspective on this, so I appreciate it. You have a good weekend. All right. Well, he's gone. Uh, yeah, I mean, St. Pete's no joke. Like, whenever you go to Florida, you, you have two choices. You go East Coast or West Coast. West Coast, you're on the Gulf of Mexico. East Coast, you're on the Atlantic Ocean, obviously. And when you're on the Atlantic, you get really nice sunrises. If you're the type of person who likes to wake up at 545 in the morning to watch a sunrise. All right. And obviously, you're completely sober and, you know, possibly hungover, depending on what kind of vacation you're having. But then on the West Coast, ah. You get sunsets, right? So that's happy hour time. And it goes down right over the Gulf. And the Gulf's always pretty calm for the most part when there's obviously no storms around. It's one of the more beautiful sights that you'll ever see. So I, I can't advocate enough the Florida trip to, like, Clearwater, Tampa, St. Pete. It's an easy flight if you're going from, like, you know, the East Coast, New York, two, two and a half hours. And then you're just in a, a world of paradise. You can't go, like, in January, though, because it's still – you have the chance of it being cold. And I could even say – my spring break, you can look it up. I'm going to date myself here completely. 1993, I decided last second, I was a booking in college. I've talked to Jimmy about this before. I had a windfall of a uh, March during the conference tournaments and got paid all this uh, money. Now, now, look, I wasn't professional in any way. I, I, was a, I was basically the bookie for my fraternity. Every, every single one had one. And nobody bet a lot. But if enough people lost all at the same time, in college, if you have suddenly like a couple hundred dollars – uh, that wasn't there before, you feel like the richest man on the planet because usually then you're, you're scrapping for dollar beer night and, oh, I can get this case of beer like Natural Light. I remember it was $6. And again, I'm dating myself here completely. Uh, so, you know, I, I had this good week and then I wasn't going to go to spring break for some reason, which I, I'm still trying to figure out what my thought process was around that. Probably it was a money thing. And then I came into this, like, all right, screw it. I'm going to go. Uh, told my friends, hey, can I crash in your room? Sure, no problem. We, we drive down in my Jeep, right? I got a red Jeep Wrangler because I went to Maryland and their colors are red too. So I was like the all-American kid in my red Jeep Wrangler. Drive all the way down there. It's like 18 hours. It's brutal. You know, you go all the way. You even go through Alabama at some point because we went to Panama City. So that's on the panhandle of Florida. And we get there. It's 85 degrees. It's sunny. You see 
uh, girls up on the balconies, bikinis, like waving you in. You're like, this is like the movies, but even better. Like, this is everything I dreamed of. And the first day we go to a bar called Sharky's, and it's just the, the greatest thing ever. I, I never had a better time than that first day, spring break, Sharky's, Panama City. And then the next day it got colder. It was only like in the 50s. I'm like, ah, this is horrible. But you're on spring break and all your friends are there and it's, it's fun. And they have these huge bars called, uh, what was it, La Vila, I think it was. Um, it's like eight bars in one, basically. And so it, and there's a lot of indoor aspects to it besides the pool area. So you're like, all right, I guess I could live with this. It's better than being back home. On the third day, it snowed. I can't, I can't joke with you. And I took the top off my Jeep and we paid to put it in like a little storage bin for the week for like 89 bucks or something like that. So now we're driving around in the snow. I didn't even bring anything resembling a sweatshirt because I assume that you go to Florida in March, it's going to be warm. You're not going to have to bring a coat or anything like that. I had to go to a gas station, buy like a sweatshirt there. I had to buy gloves at one point because when you're driving in snow and you don't have a top on your, your Jeep, you feel that. I just couldn't believe it. So look it up sometime. Storm of the Century, 1993, Snow, Florida, and you'll learn all about my wonderful spring break, where eventually towards the end it got warm, sort of, kind of, again. But then there is no greater hell on earth, all right, as far as a college student in America is concerned, than having to drive back home in a Jeep where you took the top off, you put it on so it's drafty, it's loud, and you're just, after seven days of having fun, to make that 18-hour drive all the way back up to Washington, D.C. was the hardest thing I have ever done, which shows you just what a privileged life I've led at this point when, when you consider what other people have done for this country. And I'm talking about a drive back from spring break and being the hardest thing I've done. Boy, it's embarrassing. This is called self-deprecating humor, by the way, guys, if you're, you're listening at home and wondering why I'm sharing this. Anyway, Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon. we got so many uh, great guests coming up. You know what? I, I, I can't even begin to describe just what kind of guest list we have today and you're gonna have to stick around to figure out who i'm talking about that's next stick around a show that's taking orders from the big man upstairs we're on a mission from god this is fox across america with jimmy Fallon. Welcome back, everybody. Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fail. It is Fox Across America. Let's get to our busy phones, shall we? Let's see. Jimmy, who do we got? We got Harold. I'll choose Harold. Spin the wheel. Raleigh, North Carolina, the home of – there's some sort of triangle down there, right? Triangle Park, is that what that's called? Research Triangle. Thank yeah. you for taking my call, Mr. Concha. Of course, Mr. I'm just calling. I'm just calling about this, um, this genius that we have running New York City. Yes. Obviously, obviously, he can't count because you can't take in 160,000 people, if not more, plus the immigrants that are already there illegally, taxing the system. Yeah. You can't take all these people in, and there's, there's no money. He just figured out there's no money for them. North Carolina has nine million people, and the budget for this state is thirty million dollars. Thirty billion dollars. Why would he need twelve billion dollars for 160,000 people? The math because, just doesn't add up. Well, uh, if you Give them housing uh, for for uh, impertuity, right? Impertuity is what I meant to say. And if you feed them three meals a day, and you know you give them phones, and, yeah, I mean that, that's the thing. We were taking care of all these these migrants, young men, like 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 mainly young men, like like their children. And 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 here's the thing, Eric Adams. Like sometimes he gets praised 
uh, even on Fox as well, for he's standing up to Joe Biden. He's saying that you have to stop the flow of migrants. All right, dude, the first thing you can do is declare that New York City is no longer a sanctuary city. Then, number Hello. two, you should be demanding for obviously Biden to complete wall construction, reinstate remain in Mexico, hire another 5,000 border agents and stop the flow. Instead, what he's doing is he's saying, give me more money so I can help take care of these people while we bring more in, which is like bringing water onto a boat and saying, "Uh, you know what? I need a bigger bucket to get the water out. No, maybe get the water off the boat. Stop the water from getting there in the first place. And and to your point, New York City, uh, just one second here, pal. New York City announced Thursday it is reducing police numbers and cutting budgets in areas like education because of this crisis. So now children who are here legally will suffer and then people, particularly minority communities, are going to suffer because there won't be as many police out there all so we could take care of these people who shouldn't be here in the first place floor is yours well he has a he has a uh, security detail so he's not worried about crime and i just saw his little video where he said jobs are back crime is down i was i'm retired nypd they've been playing and fudging with the numbers for years i don't my, my daughter just had a, a criminal act perpetrated on her in baltimore she called the police they never showed up you think really? she reported it how many people don't report crimes jeez that's insane. And, and th- that's the thing. I, I can't stand the fact, particularly Democrats do this, especially the Biden administration, where they say crime is down. Well, crime is down from what? Oh, the de Blasio years? No, your, your proper gauge is to say, all right, here's where it was during Bloomberg, or here's where it was during Giuliani, and here's where it is now. Then tell me if it's down or not. You can't pick the high point of a crisis, and if you're down a little bit from that high point, then that, therefore, is reducing crime. No, of course it isn't. And New York City now, along with San Francisco, has the highest exodus of people leaving that those cities and going to places like Florida and North Carolina and Tennessee and Texas because they're safer and they treat cops a lot better. Florida alone has hired thousands of NYPD officers because they've incentivized them to come down. They say, okay, you come here, we'll give you a $5,000 bonus and we'll make sure X, Y, Z that you're taken care of. And they're all saying, sign me up. Better weather and they actually get treated with respect. Boom. That's the way to go. I'll give you the last word. Well, well Mr. Conte, you heard it from me first. Okay. All of you, all you retirees out here, better worry because if New York bellies up, pensions are the, free, the first thing that's going to be on the table. And look at the, and it happened in Detroit, so don't say it can't happen. That's right. Wow. Well said. And and thanks for your service. I appreciate it. Are you are you retired now, Harold? Been out once. Oh, I lost you. I'm sorry. Did we lose Harold? Thank you for taking. Oh, sure. No problem. Sorry. It looks like his uh, his line was going out. But you know, th- those are all great points. I mean, here you have Adams talking about. His city budget will be $110 billion. And he's saying cuts across all agencies were necessary with the city, having spent $1.45 billion with a B in fiscal 2023 on the migrant crisis and nearly $11 billion expected to be spent in 2024 and 2025. Quote, for months, we have warned New Yorkers about the challenging fiscal situation our city faces, Adams said in a statement to balance the budget as the law requires every city agency dug into their own budget to find savings with minimal disruption to services. And we pulled it off this time. Make no mistake, migrant costs are going to go up. Tax tax revenue growth is slowing because people are leaving. And COVID stimulus funding is drying up. Yeah, COVID's been over, dude, for like two years. And and I doubt much of that money went towards COVID stimulus funding. I mean, all I know is I don't go out very often. But a week ago, I did meet up 
uh, with a friend that uh, hadn't uh, hadn't been in town for for years, and uh, he, he's a good guy, and he's like, hey, you want to meet up for dinner? And usually I'd find an excuse. <laughs> Be totally honest with you. Be like, oh, I don't know. The kids have a game, or oh, you know, Gene's working. I have to stay home, type of thing. Gene's my wife. And instead, I'm like, you know what? I, I've not seen Pete in like I don't know since 2013, like kind of thing. So we we met up for dinner, and it was used to be like a hot spot, right? And you walk in, and I thought for a second, like literally, are they closed? There was like three people at tables. There's got to be 50 tables there. There's no more foot traffic. A lot of people work from home, or if they do work in the city, guess what? They get the hell out the first chance they can. They're not hanging out afterwards because the quality of life here, and it's not just about the crime, and it's not just if you take the subway, will you be pushed off the platform. It's this overall quality of life thing that when you walk down the street, you cannot escape the smell of weed. And I remember I said this on Fox one time, and then these stupid liberal people that, that watch Fox for a living and, and they call themselves media reporters. Oh, Joe Conscious clutching his pearls over weed smell in New York. Oh, it's legal. It shouldn't matter. No, that's not what I'm talking about, you morons. I'm saying that I wouldn't bring my family there because you can't breathe anymore. And you got people just smoking everywhere or they're, they're, there's people living under tents. And that's not something I want to see and smell, nor would any tourist. And it hurts the city as a result. Anyway, Joe Conscious in for Jimmy Fallon, Fox Across America. Back with more in a moment. what you what you want the beastie boys it always racks my brain that when i think about the fact that we're talking about songs now that are more than 35 years old and i feel like i just heard it for the first time yesterday so that kind of freaks me out the whole getting old thing freaks me out i i'm not uh, the whole like i'll embrace death when it comes type of thing i like sleep because it's it's like death but without the commitment like, that I'll take, but the, the whole getting older thing, I'm not handling it well, like, at all. I guess they, they call this a midlife crisis of some kind. Fortunately, I get to host radio shows from time to time, and that allows me to talk to important people, uh, important people like Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, who is on the phone with us now. Uh, Congresswoman, how are you in the whole aging thing? I mean, you're, you're still in your 30s, so you don't have to worry about it like I do, but, I mean, it's kind of depressing to a certain extent. You know, every day I wake up, uh, and I feel like I'm 62 now, so every decade has been better than the decade before for different reasons, so... I still at this point feel a lot to be thankful for and uh I don't know I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it too much you know I feel like I'm I feel young I mean I'm in great shape I work out I I work hard I have a crazy job in, in Congress and I don't know I just think I I I have friends already in my age so who have passed away from cancer and other oh. Other things. So, I mean, I'm, I'm grateful. So I think you should be grateful and stop complaining about it. You're right. I sound like a whiny little you-know-what. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I am going to stop doing it. And you look great. I mean, I, I guess 62 is the new 38. Go figure. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You must be looking at a Photoshop picture. No, I'm looking at you. Actually, I, uh, you're, you're up on my Twitter feed, and you were on with uh, my friend uh, Maria Bartiromo uh, not too long ago. I think it was this morning, as a matter of fact. And uh, you were talking about... The GOP needing to be, and this is a quote, extremely ferocious in pushing 
for more border security. And, and I've talked about this as well. It's not just about the things that we've talked about already. Obviously, it is when we talk about fentanyl. We talk about jobs being taken away from people who are here legally. Obviously, the strain it's putting on our health care system, our education system. But this is a national security issue. And this isn't hyperbole. Literally hundreds of people have been apprehended who are on the FBI terror watch list. Those are the ones we know about. Those are the ones who were apprehended. What about the really skilled terrorist who can get in here under the radar and is now forming a cell somewhere? We always talk about after 9-11, why didn't we we connect the dots? How do we not see this coming? It seems like we could see the next attack coming from all the way, and yet we have leaders that simply do not care. Why is that? Look, I agree with you 100%. I said very, we have to be extremely aggressive and very ferocious, as the Democrats are. Remember, everything they do, even when they lose, they take a victory lap. You know, we, we get a win, and uh, we still count it as a loss. But when we look at this illegal immigration issue, and I've had time to go to the northern and the southern border, which I, I, I implore everybody to do that. I'm trying to get our, our Homeland Security chair and our, some of our members to go and see what's happening at the northern border as well. But it is extremely dangerous. Just think it's a lot easier to get in from Ogdensburg, which is in the northern border of New York, to just hop on a train or get in a car and drive to New York City and join these cells, which we know exist. They've existed and they haven't really been eradicated, although people were much more vigilant and paying attention to these things back closer to 2001, which we've sadly forgotten in so many ways. Yeah. But the border, the border, one thing that people don't understand is the border and the Customs and Border Patrol are patrolling the border. They're not dealing with immigration. So when you have this mass numbers of people coming over claiming asylum, which we know most of them are not legitimate asylum claims, this is putting a lot of strain on the, on the Customs and Border Patrol because they have to refer them to INS. They're getting off their mission and their job, and that's how you're getting all these people coming through, members on the terror watch list, the so-called gotaways, people that are in the thousands. We don't even know who they are. And it only took 19 people to really bring our nation and our world to a halt on 9-11. And all of these people are coming across. We're seeing it manifested. And I think we're getting lucky to sort of start seeing this, the anti-Semitism on our college campuses. You know, on the Ways and Means Committee, we had a meeting, uh, a hearing yesterday on focusing on where are these people coming from? Who are these people that are funding these organizations, funding Hamas? How is Hamas money? getting into our institutions. Where are these universities accepting this money and allowing this money to be used uh, really to use propaganda and to manipulate their student populations into believing some of this craziness? And, and who would think that we're here? It's only 20 years since 9-11, and, and we have a very, you know, sort of lax policy toward financially uh, taking these people out paying attention to our border, which is critically important and dangerous and a huge national security problem, as you cited. And obviously what it's doing to budgets in cities as well, and we're talking to Representative Claudia Tenney, a Republican New York, it's unbelievable to me that there's already a New York City police shortage of, you know, it's something in the tens of thousands, right? Uh, and, and you're going to have less than 30,000 police officers in a sprawling city like New York by 2025. And we hear from New York's Mayor Eric Adams today talking about, or yesterday, excuse me, his plan to cut funding because of the migrant crisis. He never calls on the president to shut down the border, reinstate Remain in Mexico, cut off the spigot. Instead, what he wants to do, it appears, he's asking for a bigger bucket to get the water out of the boat without realizing that maybe we just prevent the water from getting in the boat in the first place. And now you're going to see police cut. You're going to see cuts to education. Also, we could take care of people who shouldn't be here in the first place. I don't know how you change this in the sense where 
you're always it seems like a Democrat. We're never going to have a Giuliani or a Bloomberg even elected to New York City. It feels like ever again. We're going to ever we're going to have Democrats like Brandon Johnson running Chicago or even Venezuelans are fleeing Chicago who came here illegally in the first place because they said it's that bad. I just don't know. How do you solve this problem as long as Democrats are in control of these major cities? The pressure has to come from the people. And I'll tell you, I'm starting to hear, this is incredible, I'm starting to hear from people who I would call Democrats or left-leaning people saying, we need to come up with a plan to deport these people. We should not be paying for these people because once they stay, remember, they're objecting to this, now they're objecting to the facilities. They don't like, they don't want to be in a tent. They want to be in a luxury hotel. They want a phone. They want benefits. They want college tuition. They want all of this. And all of this has been given to them by the Democrats. And by the way, when I say given to them by the Democrats, it's been taken from the taxpayers, especially the taxpayers of New York, and leaving them less well off so they have to care for somebody who comes to this country, doesn't respect our country, doesn't respect and, and really live up to the responsibilities of citizenship. They are taking our benefits that we've earned to do that. And I will tell you, there's a very, very tiny percentage of, of, of uh, asylum seekers. And so I'm speaking to the people that are out there complaining and disgruntled because Kathy Hochul gave him a tent to live in and not, you know, a fancy hotel. So this is going to continue to get worse. And the more money we throw at this, the more people are going to come to New York the more pressure we're going to put on our taxpayers. And unfortunately, what's happened in New York, we have mass out-migration of good people. We have lost so much wealth in this state. We've lost almost 600,000 people, and most of them have been middle or upper class and people with a lot of money who said, I'm not going to waste my money anymore. I'm going to go somewhere where they respect my money. They respect the fact that I'm, I'm interested in growth. I care about my community. I give to charity. I do what I can, but I don't want to be abused. By, by politicians who refuse to make the hard questions. You heard Eric Adams say today, we've got to make some tough decisions. The tough decision is the easiest one. Start looking at how you're going to deport these people, get them back to the border, put the pressure on Kathy Hochul and the, the left-wing Democrats that control everything in, in Albany, and go back to Mayorkas and Biden and say, enough is enough. This has got to end. Not only is it financially dangerous, it's a security threat, as you, as you cited. And... The mayor can also declare we are no longer a sanctuary city. That, that would that well, would speak absolutely. volumes. Absolutely, of course. We have sanctuary cities in upstate New York, and we have what I call sanctuary campuses. We have all these campuses uh, and uh, these small private colleges. Some are uh, state university of New York institutions, but the private colleges just declare themselves as sanctuary campuses. So they harbor people that, in some cases, like Cornell University, a professor of spitting out anti-Semitic comments that were insightful and dangerous and hurtful that, that have brought on dangerous actions against Jewish students in upstate New York. But how can you have a sanctuary ca- a campus? And these people are being funded by the federal government, by the way. All this federal money, I looked at Cornell University alone uh, in our hearing the other day, and that's just nearby me. That's why I'm mentioning it. But in Ivy League College with huge problems, uh, you know, we call it, uh, you know, the People's Republic of Ithaca over there. They, <laughs> it's, it's just incredible. But, you know, they're getting over $300 million just that we could find in a quick search in federal funding for federal grants and programs. It's time to say no to that. And that's why I signed on to legislation to cut off this funding until these colleges start respecting our laws, especially the sanctuary policy when it comes to, federal, to college campuses.
Absolutely. Whether it's Cornell, whether it's Harvard, whether it's Penn, I could go down the line, Stanford, the, the Ivy of the West Coast or, or Vanderbilt uh, down in Tennessee. It, it's just amazing uh, what we are seeing. And fortunately now, people are speaking uh, with their wallets, particularly big donors uh, who are saying uh, enough of this as far as the anti-Semitism angle is concerned. We're talking to Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. I loved an amendment that you introduced about a week ago because it is just so in my uh, wheelhouse. When you introduced an amendment, Congresswoman, to reduce Corinne Jean-Pierre's taxpayer-funded salary to $1, <laughs> why should she take such a drastic pay cut? I know the answer, but I want to hear your perspective on it. Well, I will tell you the funniest response I've received and the most uh, most typical response I received from that was, she doesn't deserve a dollar. <laughs> well, um, you know, look, she has is the purveyor of lies from the administration. I know she's being paid to lie in front for Joe Biden. But, you know, this woman, let's just look at who she is. She's out there talking about election integrity. She's the one that said that that uh, President Trump stole the 2016 election. That's right, she's the one that said Brian Kemp stole the 2018 mm-hmm. uh, gov- gubernatorial election in Georgia away from Brian Kemp. So did she get reelected? She talks about all that, you know, calls Republicans election deniers. Yet all these Democrats who are election deniers, who actually voted to decertify the election of George Bush twice, yep. uh, back all the way back in the original George Bush. I mean, all these people, they're not called election deniers. And, and she is just the purveyor of such dishonesty. And it's really it's, it's insulting to me that the American taxpayers have to pay to have her up there. Uh, you might as well just have Joe Biden up there. At least, you know, once in a while you get the truth. He actually said Xi Jinping was a communist dictator yesterday to the cringy reply, you know, cringy faces coming from uh, Secretary Blinken. Anthony Blinken, yeah. But, you know, we might get more truthful statements from Biden. Maybe he'll admit something, like all the money and the checks that are coming coming through James Comer's uh, 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 work on the uh, Oversight Committee. Sorry, I yes. can't talk today. <laughs> All good. I'm having the same problem. Uh, th- that's the thing, Congresswoman. I have never seen a worse press secretary. I'm not even talking about on the presidential level. She literally reads from binders answers to questions that aren't asked, right? And then she's condescending on top of it. That That's the Jen Psaki school of press secretaryism, obviously, uh, having an effect there. But, you know, and I praise Democratic uh, press secretaries in the past. I actually happen to think that Mike McCurry, uh, was Mike McCurry, excuse me, under Clinton was, was quite good. And, and, and I, I found him credible. I, I found, I thought Robert Gibbs was actually a pretty good press secretary under uh, Barack Obama. Uh, Jen Psaki was a profoundly, uh, pious, uh, horrible liar, but at least she could pivot sometimes to the lie a lot more convincingly perhaps than Karine Jean-Pierre can. Uh, but I guess she's in this job for other reasons besides talent, and, and that's the way it's going to go. So uh, I, I have a feeling she's going to keep her salary. But, yes, uh, never a less informed, less competent, less honest press secretary than we are seeing there. Uh, well, let, let's uh, end our wonderful conversation here. Uh, what can be done, Congresswoman, about the state of New York sports? You have the Giants and Jets who are profoundly horrible. You have the Yankees who can't <laughs> even make the playoffs. The Mets who overpay everybody. You've got the Knicks who haven't won a championship in 40 years. You've got the Islanders who haven't won a championship in 40 years. You haven't, I'm sorry, the Knicks are actually 50 years at this point now that I think about it. No one's good. Well, what's happened? This is supposed to be the sports capital of the world. Yeah, I'm devastated. I'm a Bills fan. My brothers oh, are Giants fans. Right. My cousins are Jets fans. So, like, like we're like the Bills were 
We have so much hope for them. I don't know what's going on with that team. They have super talent. Yeah. And they're not coming together. They kind of remind me of maybe some of like the House Republican Conference. We have some really <laughs> talented people. We need to come together and stop spiking the football on the five-yard line. We need to cross the finish line and get things done and stick together. That is where our power is. So I'm going to end that with uh, a sports analogy as to how we can be better as a Republican Conference. We are the last thing standing between communism, authoritarianism, and protecting our self-governing constitutional republic. We need to stick together with these petty grievances and the little fight club incidents this past week, which yeah. were kind of fun. All of, and all we're talking about is what the media wants us to talk about. We need to start talking about the disaster that is Joe Biden, this administration, and the problems he has created that are really getting increasingly more difficult for us to reverse. And sticking together as a Republican conference will give us strength. It'll make the Senate respect us. And maybe we can get some things and some of our agenda and our priorities done. I love Mike Johnson. I think he's a great speaker. He's a good friend. Let's give him the respect and the wins that we need because those are wins for the American people. And, and if the bills can, you know, we can get the bills <laughs> on track, um, I'll be really excited about that. So go Bills. Go Bills. Yeah, I love how they fired their offensive coordinator because they had 12 men on the field for a, for a field goal. <laughs> like, that had anything <laughs> to do with it. I know. That's a special teams issue. Don't get, like, look at I get, I mean, I was a diehard Giants fan and Bills fan. I said, okay, I'll Ooh. go to the Bills now. they got a great team. They're going to win. Well, guess what, you know? Yeah. Uh, they still have great players, and, and we love them, but they, they've got to come back. I think they need Kevin McCarthy, I think, at tight end because, obviously, this guy really knows how to block <laughs> and hurt kidneys, apparently, which – Oh, God. I, can I just I, – I, I'll, I'll keep you 30 more seconds. I mean, what do you, what do you really think – I mean, just between us girls here, what do you think happened there? I think personally that it was crowded. McCarthy may have bumped into him, but I don't think he's, like, you know, shoving, like, fists in the kidneys. I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense. What, what, what's your I take? don't agree. I, it's ridiculous. Kevin wouldn't do that. I just find that hard okay. to believe. You know, these people have become performance artists. They say something, the media jumps all over it, and guess what? We're talking about that. We're not talking about the people in my district who are suffering with high gas prices. Prices. Yeah. They're taking our gas stoves away from us. Uh, they're taking our. They're making it so we can't even have uh, any kind of fossil fuel source in our homes or our vehicles. I mean, and and they're also talking about raising our taxes and putting migrants in our communities that that we have to pay for, who are taking advantage of us. And so we're t not talking about all those things that affect the American people. And I kind of blame the media for doing that in some cases. I mean, yeah, it's fun and it's distracting, but. When you make, a, when you make the, the story about yourself, you're distracting from our real mission, yep. which is our mission is to really represent our districts with aggressive advocacy and make sure that we have wins for the American people, which really are, are reflected in what the Republican views are right now. We have the solutions. We have them. We need to get back to those. Yeah, get on message. Uh, unless, uh, unless you do that, then with the media, it's all foam and no beer. You're not talking about the things that are tangible and, and what are not. Anyway, uh, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney, that was a fun conversation. I appreciate it. Go Bills. I think you're back on track this week because you're playing another New York team in the Jets, so it should go well. Thank you Thank very you. Much. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and this is Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon, Fox Across America, back with more in just a moment. The show that's crashing the establishment party. I don't recall seeing your name on the guest list. Nothing to be embarrassed about. I sometimes go by my maiden name. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Hey, welcome back. It is Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon, Fox Across America. So... This is as surprising as, you know, the sun rising in the east and birds flying south of the winter and my Bears not making the playoffs again despite having like, top draft picks for the past decade, it feels like. And that is 
Joe Biden not getting charged in any way, shape, or form. Won't be indicted over classified documents that were in his garage in Delaware next to his Corvette. And not just there, but they were in Chinatown in Washington, D.C. They were at the Penn Biden Center. They were all over the place, almost as if they were intentionally spread out for some reason. And Hillary Clinton was not indicted for having classified material on a server that most likely was hacked by the Chinese and the Russians. So they get off, and Donald Trump, well, that trial will continue probably in 2024. It will commence, I should say, and who knows what the outcome will be. So that's where we're at at this point. Rules for D's, not for D, as in D-J-T, Donald J. Trump. And everybody knows it. It looks rancid because it is. and It smells rancid because it absolutely is. Back with more in a moment. Live from everywhere USA, it's Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. Well, the summit between President Xi Jinping and Joe Biden has concluded. By the way, I'm Joe Concha filling in for Jimmy Fallon. I am a Fox News contributor, columnist for The Messenger, and a best-selling author. I really like saying that. It makes me feel good. I never get compliments around my house. The life in the, I think 2018 was the last time I got anything resembling a compliment, so I have to give them to myself. Anyway, our phone number, 888-788-9910. I'm very happily married. I'm only joking. I couldn't be happier, actually, to be honest with you. The wife, Mrs. C. Actually, she's not Mrs. C. She didn't even take my name. What's up with that? She, she stayed a Reedy. That's her last name. That is a Irish-Scottish kind of name. She looks like if you want a picture at home, if you're driving in your car. Look at Courtney Cox, but not Courtney Cox now. Look at her at in Friends towards the end when she was dating Chandler Bing, the, the late, great Matthew Perry. That's her. I mean, it, the resemblance is, like, dead on. Dark hair, blue eyes, same build. I did well, all right? And she's at the hospital today working, so she's probably not listening. Uh, but, yeah, good marriage. You know, we get along well. Our dates are like going golfing. Like, how cool is that? I, she doesn't drag me to a mall and eh, go into a restaurant's cover over eight because she's such a good cook. So we like to golf and hike and walk dogs. So you got that in common. You feel like you're not working at it. And that's, that's a good thing. And i got two kids, uh, both soccer stars. Uh, my son actually is more of a track star than anything else. Then again, my wife ran track at Georgetown, which is kind of a hard thing to do on a full scholarship. Uh, and she was third in the country at one point in the 600-meter dash. So now that has gone down to my son. As far as my athletic ability, since I was a state champion at Wayne Valley High School uh, in New Jersey, uh, none of that has, has gone down to my son at, at all. We, we throw a football around, and I swear it's like, He's allergic to it. I don't get it. I'm, I'm very confused. So soccer's good because he doesn't have to use his hands. Anyway, before I go off on a tangent, Joe Biden, San Francisco, President Xi Jinping. And I just could not get over Biden saying that he has a great relationship, a good friendship with President Xi. And he's, he admires how candid he is. And he takes him at his word. Takes the president of China at his word. The guy who has never been remotely straightforward as to how that COVID thing got out of his country and out of a lab in Wuhan, China. And again, that's not a conspiracy theory anymore. It only makes sense. Remember the John Stewart line, and it's the best analogy you could ever put to this, where he told a very shocked Stephen Colbert, by the way, the guy who, remember, did a dance routine with vaccine needles or something i mean it's just such an embarrassment this is not carson this is not letterman it's not conan o'brien even i mean colbert is just profoundly horrible anyway stewart goes on there 
And Colbert wants him to start bashing Republicans over where the virus came from. And then Stewart, being his own man, uh, not kowtowing to the audience or the host, says, you know, basically that he thinks it came from a lab because, and this is the analogy, he said, if there was an outbreak of chocolatey goodness in Hershey, Pennsylvania, do you think it's because a cocoa bean made it with a shovel or because it came from the expletive chocolate factory? Well, of course. So when you have a lab that literally is called the Wuhan Laboratory for coronavirus, in other words, they study, that's literally what they study there is coronaviruses, and then a virus starts in Wuhan and then spreads throughout the world, where do you think it came from? Not a rogue bat. It came from the lab. That's the point. And, and the fact that Biden would not even bring this up with Xi, it's like we're just going to forget about it. We're going to forget about all the, the trillions of dollars that that virus cost us, the million lives that it cost, what it did to my kids' education, I swear. That, that home learning was the, the, the silliest, stupidest thing I, I, have, I have ever seen. My, my kid was in kindergarten. You think he's going to look at a screen for more than 10, 10 minutes? And it was perfectly safe for them to go back. And, and they were out for months upon months. To the point where I was like, we got to like find a private school or something. We, we have to get them back into school. This is destroying them. I mean, it's such a crucial time in their lives. So I haven't forgiven anybody. And I hope a lot of people haven't forgiven anybody. But apparently Joe Biden has. Because with she, I mean, he was so proud of the fact that they're going to work on tackling the climate together. And China is going to commit all these resources to tackle pollution in China. Oh, China is the number one polluter in the world. Uh, India, I think, is a close second. Russia is right up there as well. And that was the goal? Really? That was the goal. Because China is funding Russia right now in their war against Ukraine, which is at a complete stalemate. And I could be hosting here, guest hosting for Jimmy in five years, and I'll still be talking about a stalemate in eastern Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine, where no one can move. Russia can't go forward, can't get cities like Kiev, Ukraine can't kick them out, and we're just going to keep pouring money into this over and over again without any accountability of to where it is going. And then I go back to this. I don't think this is so much of a conspiracy theory, right? If Hunter Biden made all that money in Ukraine for being on a board of an energy company when he had zero experience in working in the energy industry. And Joe Biden, there's checks that went to him, apparently loans to his brother or whatever you want to characterize it, where $20 million was paid to 10 members of the Biden family. Those are bank records, all right? This is not a opinion host giving you an opinion. Those are facts. Do you think maybe that's having an impact on our foreign policy now? In the sense where, why are we so blindly giving Ukraine all of this money? And you could say, well, Russia's our adversary, and therefore we have to help Ukraine against Russia. But nobody else is pitching in the way we are, and nobody in this administration can tell me about anything in terms of a solution. How do you end this war? How do, you, how do we get to an end point? Or are we just going to do the stalemate thing? Because Putin doesn't mind throwing bodies at the problem. He'll take as many losses as he as he. It doesn't matter to him. The, the, the guy's evil. He's, he's not human. He's just going to keep losing soldiers and not care because he's not going to get voted out of office or anything like that because the war is unpopular. So th- that's the thing. You, you treat President Xi like, oh, we're partners. We're going to work together going forward. They have no interest in being our partners. They want to dominate the world. They want to steal our intellectual property. And they want to take Taiwan. Plain and simple. When they're not unleashing viruses onto the world. So let's play cut 13. This is Biden on the U.S. relationship with China. And I'm sorry, this guy's just 
Eh, just let it speak for itself. Cut 13, go. I again emphasize to President Xi that the United States does not seek conflict. And yesterday we announced resumption of military-to-military communication channels to reduce the risk of accidental miscalculation. And it exists. This is not, as my generation would say back in the day, this is not all kumbaya, but it's straightforward. Now, you know who was applauding there, right? All these CEOs were at the speech that, that, that Biden gave. They're happy because they're like, you know, the NBA, really dependent on China as far as being able to make lots and lots of money. It's a big market, right? So anyway, after Biden had all these nice things to say uh, about President Xi and all these wonderful things that we're going to be doing and working with China, uh, he then called that same President Xi a dictator. He goes, well, of course he's a dictator. Oh, he's the dictator who you take at face value his word, that you, you trust him, that he's a good friend, the dictator. Okay. So, of course... Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, it's clean up on aisle 5, 14, 17, whenever Joe Biden speaks. Uh, he, of course, had to spin this back uh, in a way that only Mr. Blinken can. Cut 14, go. Lester, it's no surprise that, um, and I don't think it'll be a news to anyone, that we have very different, different systems. And uh, the president always speaks candidly, and he speaks for us. But what's important is what we were able to achieve with yesterday's meeting. We hadn't had military-to-military contact uh, for well over a year. We reestablished that. In other words, he didn't answer the question, which, which is typical. When, when you think swamp and you look at Blinken, that's basically definition, swamp, picture in dictionary next to swamp, Blinken. <laughs> right. I mean, anybody else really? Uh, can, can you put there at this point? So anyway, let's play one more cut. And, and this is that basically the, the phone lines are open between uh, she and Biden. Uh, he explained this during a speech in Woodside, California. Cut 16, go. The thing that I, I find most assuring is he raised, and I fully agree, that either one of us have any concern, Mr. Ambassador, any concern about anything between our nations or happening in our region, we should pick up the phone and call one another, and we'll take the call. Sounds like a commercial for AT&T back in the day. Anyway, Biden also – now, on Tuesday, Biden had a choice. He was in Washington, D.C. still at that point. There was the March – for Israel going on at the Washington Mall, 300,000 people attended, numbers like we've never seen before. And the Washington Post, Democracy Dies in Darkness, those guys, uh, they put it on the front page of their metro section, the metro section. It's a local story. We're not going to bother with that. Anyway, Biden could have gone to that rally because House Speaker Mike Johnson was there and spoke and was unwavering in his support for Israel. We had the House Minority uh, Speaker in Hakeem Jeffries, same thing, spoke for Israel. Chuck Schumer was there, leading Republicans, reading Democrats. It was such a layup for Biden to go there and say, I'm with. Uh, see, we could work together, Republicans, Democrats, and we're all standing behind Israel uh, in this war that Hamas uh, started when they slaughtered those 1,400 people, including 33 Americans. Could have done it, but like Dana Perino explained on The Five, and I, I thought it was such great analysis, this president can't pivot. In other words, when he has a set schedule, he's going to run the play, right? It's like when a coach calls in a play to a quarterback and a quarterback looks at the line and they're about to run a running play up the middle and there's 11 guys in the box. He can't pivot to, maybe we should pass here, <laughs> right? It's, we're going to run the play and that's the way it's going to go and there's no pivoting. So he didn't go to that. And instead, he did a speech that day on climate change. 
Because remember, Joe Biden is losing hemorrhaging support from the left primarily when it comes to Israel and Hamas and this war going on, the self-defense that Israel is now conducting for itself. Because only 50% of Democrats approve of the job that he is doing as far as handling Israel and Hamas. 50%. You know how low that is? Intra-party? And obviously half disapprove. And then you see all these marches where basically Biden is being accused of genocide, including by some members of Congress, like Rashida Tlaib and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And when you look at the fact that He's hemorrhaging support among blacks, down 25% there, 25 points. He's down 20 points as far as his support from Latinos, where Donald Trump is now even in terms of the Latino vote. Women, Joe Biden got nearly 60% of the the, the female vote. He's all all the way down to 40% approval with them, so 20 points down with them. Independent voters, Trump is leading as well when you go with a 2024 hypothetical as far as that matchup is concerned. But if he doesn't have that far left wing of the party, that actually bought that he was going to be the most progressive president in history, uh, he's got problems. So he decided to talk about climate change. This will be our final cut of the segment. Cut 19, go. We have to keep going. Above all, it shows us that climate action offers an opportunity for the nation to come together and do some really big things. You know, I've seen firsthand what the reports make clear, the devastating toll of climate change and its existential threat to all of us and is the ultimate threat to humanity, climate change. No, I'm pretty sure that the ultimate threat to humanity is nuclear war, which with the world on fire and Iran getting involved uh, as far as trying to bring us into a conflict, and obviously then China and Russia would back Iran, and then, hey, you have World War III. Now, at last check, if nuclear bombs start going off all over the place, I'm pretty sure that's bad for the climate. So, no, climate change is not the ultimate threat to humanity. Humanity is the ultimate threat to humanity, and that is with the weapons of war that we have, including nukes. Anyway, Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fela. This is Fox Across America, back with more in just a moment. The show that connects you to people in high places. It's like the most important man in the world standing here, and you've got a conversation going with each other. Fox Across America with Jimmy Fela. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is before my time, but th- th- this is Elvis, right? Elvis Presley. Didn't Elvis Presley's like nephew or something run for governor of Mississippi as a Democrat? I'll tell you, that takes some uh, cojones, right? It's a pretty deep red state. And I believe he lost by, I think it was 10 points, which was pretty respectable, I suppose. But yeah, I never got into the whole Elvis thing. I know he's the king, but am I going to Graceland tomorrow? No. I, I don't know. I guess because, what was that, the 50s? And I was born two decades after that. Yeah, even music like the Beatles. I tried. I did. Sirius XM has a channel. I, I, I gave it a try for a long ride I had. And about 20 minutes in, I'm like, yeah, this ain't working for me either. And Led Zeppelin was okay in the 70s. I shouldn't say okay. Many people believe they're the greatest band of all time. Rolling Stones, eh. I don't know. You get to Duran Duran, you got me. Anyway, what a way to bring in our next guest. <laughs> I'd love to hear her musical taste. And this is, of course, Congresswoman Debbie Lesko. She proudly represents Arizona's 8th Congressional District in Congress, and she is on the line with us now. Congresswoman, who's your favorite band? Well, I listen to a lot of Christian contemporary music, Ah. so not quite the same as that, but also classic rock. I like country. I like all kinds of music, quite frankly. 
you know, it's funny. Like, 80s rock is now basically what country is now. <laughs> when I listen to, like, Eric Church or Florida Georgia Line, I'm like, that sounds more like just like an 80s rock song. So go figure. But I don't want to go off on any tangents with you. I, I do want to talk about something very uh, important, and that's obviously – all these people coming across your border in Arizona and Texas, of course, and California to a certain extent, that are on the terror watch list. We know that they're on the terror watch list. We apprehend them, right? And it's amazing. In October alone, uh, what, 12 people on the terror watch list were caught? Hundreds have already been since this president took office. Those are the ones we know about, by the way. The ones that are really skilled probably can avoid apprehension, and they're doing something nefarious probably as we speak. What can be done to get the president's attention, to get Democrats' attention, to say, look, if this is a political thing for you, that's one thing. But this is our national security that we're talking about. And if we don't do anything, the next 9-11 is coming. But they don't seem to want to listen. Why is that? I have no idea why President Biden and the Democrats are for these open border policies, because it is affecting our national security. As you said, uh, there were 12 uh, people on the terrorist watch list just in the month of October of this year, 169 total in fiscal year 23. And so these are people that we caught. How many have we not caught? And then we had a report about a month ago that the FBI is looking for someone connected to ISIS who's smuggling people into the United States through the southern border. I mean, what we can do and what the U.S. House of Representatives, Republicans have done is we passed a bill, H.R. 2, which effectively would secure the border by implementing the policies that President Trump had because it was remain in Mexico. Until while your asylum claim is being processed, Mm -hmm. that would automatically cut down in the number of people coming across the border because they'd have to stay in another country. They couldn't get into the United States right away. It also increases the standard to claim asylum. And so we passed that back in May of this year. It's sitting over in the Senate. Schumer's in control of the Senate. He's not moving it. But what Republicans, I think, are going to do next is when Biden— And Schumer went Ukraine funding. We're going to tie that to the policies in HR2, which is the border security. And I think that's where we have the leverage. Um, And because both Republicans and uh, mostly Democrats and Biden want Ukraine funding, we need to tie it to border security. And that's exactly what needs to be done. And and it drives me nuts when I hear Kamala Harris in 60 Minutes say, short term, we need a safe, orderly and humane border policy. And long term, we need to invest in the root causes of migration. Gee, you've already been in office for nearly three years. Maybe we should get on that. She says, but the bottom line, Congress needs to act. Come on, participate in the solution instead of political gamesmanship. Congress has acted. (laughs) And, And then, of course, Bill Whitaker is doing the interview, doesn't even push back like, no, that's not true. Congress has acted. He just nods his head and moves on to the next topic. Anyway, uh, Congresswoman, can you stick around until after the break? Yes. All right, great. We will have back with Congresswoman Debbie Lesko in just a moment. We're up against a hard break, but we will continue this conversation when we come back. Ah, now we're in the late 80s or maybe mid in excess on Fox Across America. This is Joe Concha. And for Jimmy Fell, I am a Fox News contributor and a columnist for The Messenger. Check out The Messenger. It's really an awesome site. Let's put it this way. If you like Jesse Waters' show, for example, where, yeah, you get the heavy stuff and you get the good reporting, 
right? Solid reporting. Objective reporting. It's a novel concept, I know. But yes, we would never be accused of being right or left. We just give facts when it comes to our news reporting. But then the opinions come from all over the place. That widens our net. And we think we could get more readers that way if we're not kowtowing to one side. So I don't know. I I think there's something here. Check it out. TheMessenger.com. Anyway, let's get back to our guest who is nice enough to uh, stay on hold. And that is Congressman Debbie Lesko. Uh, Congressman, I want to get your thoughts on the new House Speaker, Mike Johnson. Uh, Obviously, took a while to get there, of course, uh, before he became House Speaker. But with this continuing resolution uh, where he had to get Democratic votes in order to pass it, is that something that left a sour taste in the mouth of some folks on the right on Capitol Hill? Or was this something that he really had no choice and this was the only way to move the government forward? Well, I really like Mike Johnson. He's a very trustworthy man of integrity. So that's why he got unanimous vote. Um, in the U.S. House of Representatives. I voted against the continuing resolution. I told them in advance. I mean, I could not justify to my constituents continuing Pelosi-level funding. And um, then there was uh, extension of the Farm Bill without any reforms to food stamps uh, for the whole year. And I I just, my my constituents wouldn't go for that. So I voted against it. Um, And as you saw on Wednesday, some of the Republicans Republicans voted with all the Democrats to tank the appropriations bill, one of the appropriations bill, by voting against the rule. Because once you vote against the rule, you can't bring the appropriations bill up to the floor for a vote. So they did that as a, you know, um, as a warning uh, to Speaker uh, Johnson that, hey, we got to get our fiscal house in order. And, you know, to Mike Johnson's credit, he's trying to get all the 12 appropriations bills uh, through. He has met with um, the Senate. He's met with the president. He didn't see another choice. And he didn't want to be stuck in December, you know, on uh, Christmas Eve day, uh, being forced by the Senate with an omnibus bill. So it's better than that. But to my constituents, they wouldn't have liked me to vote for the continuing resolution at that level. So I didn't. Excellent. And, and you didn't go public like we saw happen so often with Kevin McCarthy as far as like screaming about it on cable news somewhere. Right. I mean, you told Mike Johnson out of respect, you know, privately, it seemed obviously you're going to tell your constituents like, here's how I'm going to vote on this. But you didn't make a show of it. I think more of that has to be done. Democrats are exceptionally good at, at doing that behind the scenes instead of backstabbing each other, it seems. And we're talking to Congresswoman Debbie Lesko. I uh, want to know where you come down since uh, obviously you represent Arizona or at least uh, the district, 8th district in, in Arizona. Uh, about the possible candidacy, and I don't know if she's officially announced, of, of um, Carrie Lake as far as running for Senate. Uh, is that somebody that you would support, and can she win? Well, definitely if she wins the primary, I'm going to support her uh, full strength. We have two Republican candidates in the, in the primary, Carrie Lake and uh, Mark Lamb, who's a sheriff in Pinell County, which is a, a county just south of the Phoenix area. Mm-hmm. Both are good candidates, and so I'll probably wait till the primary is over, and then I'll be full in support of whoever wins, because I tell you what, Ruben Gallego is a total liberal. He's trying to act more moderate now, but his track record is totally liberal. He is one of these people that's for the open borders, even though now he says he's he's not. He is. I've served with him in the Arizona House of Representatives, and now I serve with him in the U.S. House of Representatives, and the guy has a total liberal track record, and he is way more liberal than Arizona, so I really hope he does not win. 
I just can't see any candidate running on an open border policy or not being completely and totally tough on that topic and winning. I get that Arizona has become it used to be a solid red state. I don't think anybody had won it since I think Bill Clinton in 1992 before this election or maybe it was 96. Uh, But now is it because so many people are migrating from California to Arizona that it's become more purplish than red? Well, I think that's definitely part of it. And I've run into these people that are very excited that the cost of living is is cheaper in Arizona, but they kind of haven't connected the dots that the reason the cost of living is cheaper is because we have a Republican legislature and Republican policies in Arizona, or at least we have in the past. Uh, Now we have a Democrat governor, so it's kind of going the other way. And that's why the policies that we have had historically have had cheaper cost of living here in Arizona. And uh, now it's changing. These people come in and they're like, oh, you know, I like these liberal policies. And they have forgotten that that's why they left California to begin with. It's amazing. And we're talking to Congresswoman Debbie Lesko. Uh, We'll end things on a uh, happy note. I I think it's a happy note. Uh, So you're a mother of three. See, I was lamenting before that I didn't have a third kid Um, just because, I don't know, you kind of come to appreciate certain moments, particularly when they're young. Uh, How old are yours now? And uh, will they be getting into politics one day? My kids are all adults now, and I have five grandkids, and none of my kids, none of them is interested in politics at all. Now, I have... I uh, I don't know how I did it, but I tell you what, before I got into an elected position, I used to volunteer to register Republicans. And we go out in July in Phoenix, Arizona, outside in that heat and register Republicans. And I would take all of my kids with me and tell me they had to do it and my husband. And we'd hand out uh, water bottles and ask people to register to vote. <laughs> you know, So I think I burned them out at an early age. Oh, that's that's smart. That is incredibly smart. It, my daughter just had a crushing defeat. She's in fourth grade, and she ran for class president. And she prepared this speech, and it was a wonderful speech. I, I admittedly helped her with it to, to a certain extent, and it had jokes, but it had policy, all these things around raising money and getting all these cool things for the class. And she does the speech, and the teacher said, wow, that was one of the best speeches I've ever heard as a teacher. And then she's running against a boy in the class, and the boy promises free Chick-fil-A for everyone, and he wins. And I'm like, she's so now <laughs> just, just completely disheartened by the, by the whole process. So I'm like, no, you got to keep going. you got to keep going at it. But uh, it's, 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 it's fun. And I, I, don't, I, I guess you got married when you were young because you look young when I see you on TV. So I assumed you had, like, you know, a couple teenagers running around. But all right, great. So you're oh, an empty nester. How, so how's sweet. that go? <laughs> You're so sweet. No, I, I my first child I had at 27. So my daughter is now 38. I turned 65 this year. So um, anyway, so you're, you're in the sun. That must be doing blessed. it. It's the warm weather, isn't it? Because in Jersey, it just beats you down with the winters and everything. So I got to get to Arizona more. I was in Scottsdale last year actually at the Biltmore. I want to say it was for some speech that 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 I was hired to do and. I'm just like, I got to move here. This is just, it, you could breathe. There's no humidity. I mean, it's just a wonderful state. So sh- should I go? Should I make the move? You should. It's All a right. beautiful state. It's close to going to San Diego when it's hot in the summer. You can go up north where it's cooler. You can go down south to Mexico if you want to. It's a great location, a great state. Um, I love it here. 
Okay. Well, that's it. I'm breaking news here. I'm out of Jersey. I'm going to Arizona, and that's that's the state to go. And, uh, again, uh, Congresswoman, thanks so much for, for joining us. And I'm going to have to listen to some more Christian rock, I guess. I think I think that needs to be added to my palate. So thank you for that uh, education as well. All right. Thanks so much, Joe. You take care, and happy uh, Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, that, that's, that's only a week away now. Amazing. Thank you so much. And this is Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon. Boy, back – Back with more in a moment. It's amazing. We're already at, I just looked at the clock. We only got 16 minutes left in this bad boy. So I guess we got to do, since it's a Friday, before a big football weekend where the University of Michigan is about to find out what it's like to fear the turtle when they go into College Park, Maryland, without their coach. And the biggest upset of the year happens. Uh, Who am I kidding? Anyway, we're going to do football picks, college, pro, whatever you want to hear about uh, with our wonderful producing team. That is coming up next on Fox Across America. You're listening to Fox Across America with Jimmy Fallon. That's my name. Don't wear it out. Wow. 80s again. And that is the great and completely underrated Steve Winwood, who just want to relax. He's like kind of the guy you listen to and you just want to chill out for, for a bit. But again, these songs are nearly 40 years old. Anyway, Joe Concha in for Jimmy Fallon. And we're going to finish up here by talking about the National Football League. But I need, I can't just do this alone, of course. I have to bring in our crack team here, who's working behind the scenes, uh, tirelessly, by the way, uh, as far as putting the show together. It's not as, you know, hey, just goes on and talk about stuff. Sound bites have to be cut. Guests have to be uh, obviously uh, booked, and we got to make sure that we got them. And then obviously there's all the other things that go into doing a radio show as far as the rundown. As I, look, I don't want to bore you with this stuff, but these guys deserve some airtime right now. And that, of course, is do I call you Mike and Josh or Michael and Joshua? Uh, Joshua's fine by me. Uh, okay. You know, we just call him Mikey. Yeah, okay. Mikey's fine. Don't Mikey's matter. good. All right, Mikey. Hey, Mikey, how you doing, Mikey? Yeah, it's like a Mad Dog <laughs> thing. This is great. All right, so some tough games to pick here. We're, we're going to go right to the NFL. First, mm-hmm. well, actually, let me get one college pick from you. Michigan without Harbaugh at the University of Maryland, who had a big win in Nebraska last week. As we know, Nebraska is a national powerhouse. Well, it wasn't the 90s, but hey, it still counts. So can Michigan win without their leader? Oh, enti- absolutely. If, if they went into Penn State, into Happy Valley, and took him down that quick. Now, obviously, the game plan and everything was set in place before the suspension came down last week. Yeah. But I, I see no reason why they, they wouldn't have a problem with the Terrapins. Okay. See, I see a trap game here. Penn State last week, Ohio State next week, basketball school, Maryland, you know, all right, College Park, eh, not the biggest stadium, only about 50,000 at holes, but eh, I'm telling you. I think Maryland covers. I'll put it that way. They're getting 10. I think, I think they keep this close because Michigan may be distracted or disinterested with the Buckeyes uh, coming next week. All right. You got the Steelers at the Browns, gentlemen. Now, Steelers, I don't think many people expected to be 6-3, and three, but here they are. They win close games, but Cleveland wins home games, but they don't have their quarterback. So where do you see this going? That's a tough one, Joe. I mean, I'm leaning Pittsburgh in that one. Even though they're on, yeah, it's in Cleveland, right? Like you said. Yeah. So that's tough, though, because they have such a good defense. But you know what? I mean, the Steelers are a shocking 6 and 3, like you said, and they're probably the healthiest team in the division right now. This is true. Uh, all right. Who else what, what, uh, Who else we got? I can't tell who's talking, by the way. Was that Mike? That was John? me. Yeah, Mikey. yeah. Mikey. Okay. Yep. Yes, I thought. All right. All right, Josh, what do you got? Uh, yeah, I, I've got to go uh, Pittsburgh. I mean, it, it's, it's one of these. If Deshaun were there, Cleveland puts up a lot of points in that case, but. 
I, I think Pittsburgh is stingy enough here going up against a backup that they'll take it. Yes. Uh, th- th- there are now reports uh, that the Browns are working out one Joe Flacco. I saw that. won yeah. a Super Bowl, I believe, let's see, 2012 that was? 2012 season, yep. 20- and he was like a wily veteran at that point. So, you know. Are, are we going to get into who he beat in that Super Bowl or no? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I believe yeah. the name is Colin Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, the, the 49ers were so smart, they ran the ball right down the Ravens' throats. They get to the six-yard line and then decide to pass the ball three yep. straight times, right? Mm-hmm. And Kaepernick was uh, painfully off in, in each pass. And Look, I'm not going to put it solely on Kaepernick, but if you're uh, the coach who was Harbaugh's brother, I believe, uh, John Harbaugh, and still is now that I think about it, uh, it wasn't Harbaugh? No, it was Jim Harbaugh. It was Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, it, was, it, was it was the Harbaugh Bowl. That's yeah. right. And mm-hmm. John was Ravens. Jim was 49ers. Why don't you roll out Kaepernick and let him run or throw? They, they, they did, like, fades into the end zone and everything. It's like, what are you doing? But uh, people forget that Colin Kaepernick kind of choked that game away, and it's worth talking about. Anyway. All right. Uh, so, yeah, so Joe, Joe Flacco probably won't start this week, but the Browns are starting a rookie instead. So with the whole rookie thing in a big spot, I'm going to give it to the Steelers in a low-scoring close game. Okay. Next, we have going to go right over the Bears at the Lions because that's not going to go well for my team. And how about the Las Vegas Raiders at the Miami Dolphins? Now, the Dolphins, the way they play is they beat up on bad teams put up like 50 points but whenever they play a good team whether it be the chiefs or whether it be the bills they lose so mm-hmm. this looks like a only pretty good team in, in the raiders uh with a rookie quarterback again on the road dolphins win this easily am i not incorrect on this i mean it's really tough because it's one of those do you want to buy in does antonio pierce have that locker room for the raiders yeah. or was it just he came up against two bad new york teams these last two weeks Two bad New York teams. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm thinking, Horrible. too. I, I feel like Dolphins should have this one pretty – what's the line? Uh, uh, 14. Oh, yeah. They yeah, do. so that, that's uh, way up there. That might be a backdoor cover by the Raiders. We'll see. You think so? Yeah. All right, very good. Let's go on next to the Jets at the Bills. Ooh. So the Bills fired, as I mentioned uh, with uh, Congressman uh, Tenney uh, during our interview earlier in the show. They fired the offensive coordinator in Ken Dorsey because when the game was 24-22 – Uh, And Denver lined up for a field goal and missed it, which would have given the Bills the victory. There were 12 men on the field. So the special teams guy doesn't get fired because that happened. Because even in Pee Wee, you know not to have 12 people on the field. But Ken Dorsey gets sacked. So it seems to be a team in disarray. Then again, the Jets can't score. So I'm thinking Bills, but I'm not exactly confident in that pick because the Jets' defense is quite good. I think it's a get-right game for the Bills, especially because, remember, they lost that game week one, which they really should have found a way to win after Rodgers got hurt. Uh, I think it's a bit of a revenge game for them, but you know they need this game for other fans. And McDermott's on the hot seat there now too. So amazing, right? We went from like this team's on the cusp of the Super Bowl. Remember the Chiefs had no business beating them two years ago when yeah. they scored with like something like 13 seconds left, yep. and the, the Chiefs were still able to go down and k- kick a field goal to, to uh, send it overtime and eventually win. Uh, so now, isn't that incredible, Josh? Who you got? I mean, you can plan for Zach Wilson now, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, tell your punter to put it in the corners. Don't actually <laughs> yeah, punt exactly. it to them. That might be a good idea. That's what we used to do in high school at Wayne Valley in Jersey. We never punted to the other team. We always punted it out of bounds. And our coach was like, we may lose five yards, but we're not risking getting a punt return. Yeah, uh, someone forgot us. to tell Matt Dodge that. <laughs> oh, right, right. Wasn't that uh, – who was that? Eagles, Deshaun right? Jackson. Yeah. That's, That's right. Walked into the end zone literally. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, two games left that I, I've chosen because they're hard to pick. The Vikings at the Broncos. That If you asked this like a couple weeks ago, you'd say, well, the Vikings, of course, Denver can't score. Russell Wilson's a, a mess. Sean Payton, bad idea. Now the Broncos have won three straight. They went into Buffalo last week, famously, uh, as we just talked about, and won. It's a Sunday night game. I think Payton, uh, Sean Payton has got this ship righted in Minnesota. Josh Dobbs, nice story. I think it ends here. I think Broncos get to 5-5, five and five and suddenly we're talking playoffs for, for the Broncos when that was unthinkable uh, a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's at mile high, so I've got to give it to the Broncos in this case. If, if it were at home at, at Minnesota for the Vikings, then, then I, would, I would favor them and the Dobbs story, but not in this case. Yeah, okay. I have to agree there. I mean, you got to respect the Vikings did the Saints last week, but that was in Minnesota, so it's not like that was in New Orleans. But still, you know, impressive. When Dobbs has played well, I bet the Jets wish they had traded for him. <laughs> right? I mean – who saw that coming? He actually played against Atlanta without practicing with the team. They yep. were literally like were, the, the receivers were telling him where they would be running to in the, in the huddle. They somehow won that game against a decent team there uh, in, in Atlanta. All right, finally, uh, the big, big game. Monday Night Football is kind of making a resurgence here between Joe Buck and, and Troy Aikman uh, being their play-by-play and, and color commentators, but also the fact they're getting big games again. For a while, the Sunday night game got the big game, and even Thursday night to a certain extent, and Monday night became an afterthought. I guess ABC, Disney, ESPN somehow negotiated it to, uh, hey, can we get a decent game once in a while? And sure enough, they have the Super Bowl rematch. We have the Philadelphia Eagles at the Kansas City Chiefs, 8-1 versus 7-2. and two. Who you got? Oh, this is so tough. I, I've got to go the Chiefs just because they're the home team in this case. Yeah, I got to go Chiefs, too, coming off the bye. Well, they're both coming off a bye, actually. But still, uh, Super Bowl rematch, it's like a field goal game. Chiefs Not a revenge game. All right, I'm going to go opposite. I'm going to go Eagles, revenge for a bad call in the Super Bowl last year, and they uh, they, they win, win a close one. But if it goes the other way, then uh, we'll burn the tape. Anyway, guys, I think we're done. So thanks yeah. for your help with the show. We good luck to both guys. of us in knockout pools. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. A knockout pools where you pick one team, one team only. You can't pick them again. Well, we're down to the final parts, and thousands of dollars await, uh, perhaps, uh, Mikey or me. So there we go. Go the Commanders, whoever they are. Thank you, and uh, hopefully I'll be sitting in this chair soon. Thanks to Jimmy for having me, and we'll be back, and we'll see you when we'll see you. Actually, we won't be back. We're gone. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.